Today, we are looking at uh, arguably one of the top three, top five movies of the last 25 years. Just about everybody I've talked to says, oh man, The Shawshank Redemption, that is awesome. I love that movie. And here's the deal. I I haven't been nervous about being up here and giving this sermon at all because like half of the message today is movie clips. I mean, it's beautiful. So at least you'll walk away going, well, half that sermon was amazing. You know, that was really, really cool. So um, here's the thing. Here's why Shawshank is so powerful to us. Because right from the very beginning of the movie, you have this upstanding, prominent banker, Andy Dufresne. And he has been wrongly accused of a crime that he didn't commit, right? So right from the beginning, we're just, we, we feel all the tension and all the drama. And throughout the entire movie, we see Andy and all of his suffering and all of the injustice at the hands of his fellow inmates, at the hands of the prison guards, and even at the hands of the corrupt prison warden. And so like the whole time we're, we're cheering Andy on, right? As he's fighting on, as he's persevering, as he's trying and trying to find a way to fight through this. And so uh, the movie, into the movie quite a ways, um, Andy has this kind of this breakthrough opportunity. If you remember, we're going to show the clip here in just a second. But what happens is Andy finds out from this, from this new guy who's come into the prison that um, this, this new guy apparently used to have this uh, cellmate who confessed to, to killing Andy's wife and her lover. So, so this guy comes to Andy and his friend Red and basically says, look, I, I, I got to tell you something. This is, this is amazing. I, I know the guy who actually did it. You're innocent, Andy. And so now this is Andy's conversation going to the warden of the prison with the fact that he's actually innocent and can prove it. What's so compelling to us about this movie is the injustice of it all, isn't it? I mean, just time after time, there's just more that happens to this great guy, this innocent man, over and over and over again. And um, I think the reason that we're so drawn in to a movie like The Shawshank Redemption and all the suffering that Andy faces and all the injustice is because ultimately... This resonates so deeply with us in our lives and our experiences, right? You see, we've all had moments where we've faced injustice, where the, you know, something has happened and and the bad guy wins, where, where, you know, it doesn't go our way. It doesn't happen the way it's supposed to. We've had experiences like that in our own lives. Some of us are experiencing that right now. You are in the middle of tremendous suffering tremendous injustice, or maybe if it's not you, it's somebody close to you, somebody that you care about. And here's the deal with this, you guys. Ultimately, what happens to us is we say, okay, where the heck is God in all this? God, where are you? And if we're going to be really honest, and this doesn't matter if, if you've been a Christian your whole life or if you're just here checking out Christianity and Jesus and faith and all that good stuff, the reality is this issue is a barrier for just about every single one of us. It's either a barrier that's preventing us from really taking Jesus Christ seriously or it's a stumbling block that continues to trip us up, continues to cause doubts in our Christian life as we deal with these things or people close to us deal with injustice 
and suffering. And ultimately, I just want to let you know that, um, that the Bible has something to say about this. So in the Old Testament, we are introduced to the story of a man named Job. And uh, many of you are familiar with Job because he was famous for the amount of suffering that he endured. It's this great, righteous man in great standing with God. And man, he loses everything. And he, in the end, he even loses his health. And he is just absolutely miserable. And he's got friends that come and, and try and counsel him. And they say all the wrong things, man. And I mean, they're just a total example of what not to do. And, um, and then finally, you know, Job's kind of like refusing. He's trying to stay the course and trying to, you know, kind of defend God's honor. And then finally... In the 30th chapter of this saga, uh, we see in the 20th verse, Job finally says this. He says, I cry out to you, O God, but you don't answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. Many of you, you can, you feel that right now. You feel that right now. And then Job he goes on this rant. If you read um, basically what unfolds in the next chapter, he goes on this rant. They say like, okay, you're not answering me, God. And then he says, look, I've been this great person. You know, look at all these things I've done. Look at all these people that I've helped. You know, I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm a good person here, God. Where in the world are you? And it kind of culminates, this section of the story culminates in Job 31, 35, where Job says, Oh, that I had someone to hear me. I sign now my defense. He's been kind of making his case for the last chapter. Let the Almighty answer me. And there are some of you in this room right now, and this really captures where you are. You've experienced suffering and injustice. You're feeling this sense of, you can relate to Andy Dufresne. You're kind of in your Shawshank prison experience right now, and you're going, God, where in the world are you? And I just want to let you know that if that's you, first of all, I've been there, and just about every single person in this room has been there too. So you need to know, first and foremost, that you are not alone, and this is one of the great struggles of the Christian faith. It really is. When we experience this stuff, all the head knowledge, all the theology, everything that we know here, it's all here. It's all in the heart, and it's really hard to make sense of it all. And um, we're actually not, the, the, the message today isn't really about trying to make sense of all the injustice and the suffering, but I do want to give you a resource if that's where you're at right now, okay? And you're kind of leaning in because you're like, yes, tell me more. I need some help. Let me give you a resource. So we are doing something starting a week from today, next Sunday, and it's going to be from 9.30 to 10.30 right here at TJ in one of the classrooms here. And it's called Foundations. We're starting a Foundations course. It's six weeks long, one hour a week for six weeks. If you can make the majority of the sessions, we would love to have you. And basically what we're doing is we are exploring some of the major themes and major theological issues in Christianity. And one of the cool things, I think, about this course is that when you register for the Foundations course, the first thing that you'll get back is actually an email saying, okay, what are the big questions that you have? What are your questions 
about faith, Christianity, God, whatever. What are the big questions? Now, it doesn't necessarily mean, just as a caveat, that every one of your questions is going to get answered, okay? But we really want to start with what are your questions? What are you struggling with? If this is an issue for you, the issue of suffering and injustice, we want to know that. Okay, and then through this course, what we're going to try and do is establish a good theological foundation for a system of belief that can help you navigate some of these big questions. So not necessarily going to spend, you know, six weeks on suffering, but, but trying to help you build a foundation. Now, I just want to let you know that space is very limited. So if you're interested, I would encourage you to sign up today, write it down on a connect card, drop it in one of the black boxes as you leave, or uh, you have the email contact, please Go ahead and fire that out because um, space is limited. We're starting this coming Sunday. So that's just one resource for you. Now, one of the things that keeps Andy going through all the injustice that he's facing, through all the setbacks and the suffering and everything that he's dealing with, the one, one of the things that keeps him going is this friendship that he struck with uh, the character played by Morgan Freeman, who's affectionately known as Red. And Red is a guy that can get you things, right? He's the guy in the prison that basically has all the connections and, and can work all the angles and, and can get you stuff. But what's so incredibly ironic about Red is the one thing that he can't seem to get is the one thing that Andy has in spades. And that is hope. Let's check out a conversation that they have. So you know what's so powerful about Andy? It's the hope that he has throughout this whole movie. It's hope that fuels him. It's hope that keeps him alive, that keeps him getting busy living versus getting busy dying, resigning himself to defeat. It's the hope of his innocence. It's the hope of that little beach town, Zuatneo, in Mexico. That is what keeps him going through all the injustice, through all the suffering, through all the setbacks. What's so powerful for Andy is his hope. And you know, it's actually the same thing with the Christian life. What is so powerful about Christianity, when you boil it all down and you strip away all the kind of the religious aspects that sometimes can get thrown on top of all this, it's the hope that we have. And as we face our Shawshank moments and as we face suffering and injustice, it's our hope that keeps us going. It's our hope that keeps us alive. You say, well, what's, what's that hope? Well, there's a verse that uh, Jesus is quoted as saying by one of his disciples named John in the Gospel of John. And um, to me, it's, it's one of the great statements ever uttered, ever in human history. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33. Just about everyone in this room, I would imagine, has heard it or heard reference to it. Jesus says these words, and he says it to his followers. He says it to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. So if that's you, he's saying it to you fresh this morning. In this world, you will have trouble. 
Now, just time out for a second. There are many of us, and somewhere along the line, we've kind of heard or got this idea that if we just follow Jesus, like everything's just going to be roses, and it's going to be awesome, and we're not going to have any problems. And I just want to tell you, I don't know where we all pick those notions up, but Jesus clearly says here, no, we will have trouble. This is a broken world. This is a group of people who have been given free will and the ability to think and act for ourselves. So he tells us, you're guaranteed, you're just living, you are guaranteed to have trouble. But here is one of the most hopeful statements you will ever read anywhere. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, the hope that we have, what's so powerful about the Christian life is that not only has Jesus Christ overcome the world, not only has he overcome death on a cross, but has risen again. But the reality for us, those who are his followers, is that because we have his spirit living inside of us, not only has Jesus Christ overcome, but ultimately we will overcome too. You see, the hope of the Christian life is that as we go through the trials and the storms and the suffering, as we face our Shawshank prison moments, we have a God who knows what it's like to walk this earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He knows our suffering. He knows our pain. He knows us. He's lived it. And he walks with us through it. That is the hope that we have. Not that it's just we snap our fingers and say some great prayer and all of a sudden everything is changed and justice is served. That's not always the way God operates, as we all know. But the hope is that ultimately we will overcome through the power of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is with us as we walk through it, and that ultimately justice will be served, that God will right all wrongs in the end. God is a God of love and a God of justice. The, um, the writer of the uh, letter to the Hebrews, which is found in the New Testament, this is a letter written to other Christians, um, writes in, in the sixth chapter and the 19th verse, I just absolutely love this. He writes, we have this hope, speaking of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I love the imagery of the anchor. You know, some of us might think of the anchor, oh man, that's something that holds you back, you know, kind of ties you down. That's, that's not at all what the writer is expressing here. And 2,000 years ago, man, when you, when you talked about an anchor in a maritime community, I mean, the anchor is, is the definition, it's the essence, it's the image of protection, of security, of safety. That's the thing that stops your boat from being dashed across the rocks, stops everybody from dying. That anchor. I love that. So this anchor is this beautiful, beautiful symbol of protection, keeping us firm and secure. When we face the storms of this life, the injustices, our Shawshank moments, our hope, our anchor is what protects us and keeps us strong and secure. 
And here's the thing about the anchor, right? I mean, look at that thing. That thing is like, that thing is not going anywhere, right? Our, this, this is our hope, okay? Hope isn't just some kind of willy-nilly, oh, wishful thinking, one day, you know, I hope it's going to happen. No, th- this, is, this is a confident expectation of something that is going to happen. And so, you know, th- this is our hope. It's an anchor. We're not going anywhere. It keeps our soul firm and secure. But here's the thing, okay? Here's the deal. That anchor is no good to us if we're not tied to it, right? If we're not tethered to that anchor, we're just, we're just floating around. And so here's the question that I want to uh, ask you today. Are you tethered to this hope, this hope that we have in Jesus Christ, this hope of ultimate redemption, this hope that God is with us, the hope that he's going to see us through the storm, the hope that he's going to keep our soul firm and secure? Are you tethered to it? Now, practically speaking, what do I mean? Are you making a good habit of regularly going to a church that is preaching a message of hope and encouragement and focusing on Jesus Christ? Is that a regular pattern, a regular routine for you? Is this something that you're doing? Are you tethering to that anchor in that way? Are you surrounding yourself with Andy Dufresne's people who are hopeful, people who have a positive outlook, people who aren't just kind of getting together with you and saying, well, how are you suffering this week? Or, you know, what's going wrong? And, you know, how can I pray for you? I mean, you got to have, that's important too, okay? But are you surrounding yourself with people who are pointing you to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ? Are you surrounding yourself with Andes? And finally, are you reading about the hope? Are you, are you reminding yourself of this hope? Are you reading the promises of God? God's love, his faithfulness, how he's come through for his people, how he's gonna come through for us. How are you tethering to that anchor? Hope is such an important thing, especially in the storms of this life. And what we see there in that verse is that it's an anchor for our soul. You see, we're in danger in those storms when we're suffering, when we're facing injustice, and we're crying out to God. If we're not clinging to that hope, if we're not tethering to that anchor, I mean, our soul's just getting bashed and battered on the rocks. Utter hopelessness is one of the worst places you can possibly be in your life. So we must continue to remind ourselves of the hope that we have and make sure that we're doing a good job of tethering to that hope, to that anchor. Well, I want us to take a look um, at this next clip. It's it's rather long, so just sit back, definitely get your popcorn out, okay? It's it's, uh, it's almost 10 minutes long. But but this, this is like pretty much everybody's favorite scene from the movie, so it's just awesome. Sit back and just like, you know, get really comfortable. But this is basically the culmination of where all this hope, where all this hope has taken Andy. All right? So so here we go. Let's roll that clip. And that is why this movie is awesome. Because ultimately, it's a story of victory, right? 
like all the suffering, all the injustice, everything wrong that happens, everything that we cry out to God for and say, God, what's the deal? Where are you? Can you make this right? All of it culminates in victory, in justice being served to the warden, in Andy getting out and getting free, in being reunited with his friend. It is the ultimate victory story. And you know what? So is our faith in Jesus Christ. It is the ultimate victory story. And it's one we need to be reminded of. It's one that needs to be told. We've been doing something um, here at Grace for a number of years called Financial Peace University. It's, um, it's a video course done by Dave Ramsey, and it's a, it's a biblical guide to your finances. And it, no, it's not a course about how to give a bunch of money to the church. Um, it's actually a course about budgeting and expenses and saving and mortgages and all this nuts and bolts stuff. I, I feel it should be taught in every single uh, high school in the country because it is so incredibly solid and foundational. Um, six years ago, I think it was now, um, I went through that course for the first time, uh, piloted it with, with some folks from Grace to see if it was something that we wanted to do uh, here. And since then, we've had hundreds of people go through the course, and I haven't met anyone who didn't think it was incredibly worth their time. So um, one of the things that we do in that course that is so powerful for me, it's like it's kind of my favorite thing that we do, is um, we, we tell victory stories. So we get to a point... Um, in the second hour where we're kind of debriefing and doing small group stuff, where um, we'll just have people raise their hand and just say, hey, what was the victory you had this week with finances somehow? And so someone will shoot their hand up and say, it's the end of the month, and I did it. My cease and desist not going out to eat for a whole month, and I took that $300, and I used it to pay down my credit card. And everybody's like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, we all cheer. And, um, and so, you know, stories like that pop up. And I remember this one, one guy stood up and he goes, yeah, I, I, I did what Dave Ramsey said, that whole that's not good enough thing. He said, I, I, I called up my cable company or myself. I can't remember which company he calls cell, internet, you know, cable, whatever. And he said, um, yeah, I looked at my bill. It's way too high. That's not good enough. And then you just, sh- Dave Ramsey says, you just be quiet. And it's totally awkward for the other person, right? <laughs> and then they like fumble and they do something. So he's like, yeah, I said, that's not good enough. He goes, Five minutes later, my cable bill or whatever bill it was, is, is like 30 bucks a month cheaper. 30 bucks a month cheaper. I was like, are you serious? I went home that night, okay? I was leading the course. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's do this. I got on the phone with, um, with my internet service provider, charging me like 50 bucks a month for, for, for internet uh, connection. And I called him and said, that's not good enough. They said, okay, how about 30? Would you just sign up for your commitment and we do 30? Are you serious? I've been paying 30 bucks a month for my internet for the last six years, okay? Because of one phone call, one phone call. Somebody do the math on that. That's some good cash right there, okay? Now, and just yell it out when you get the, when you get the number. Um, but here's the thing. Those victory stories, they inspire you, don't they? You hear stories of victory and you're inspired to action, all right? Here's, here's the deal. Are you sharing your victory stories? Are you getting around people who have victory stories? 
you know, are you talking, when, when God does something in your life, okay, when you've been praying for something and God actually answers the prayer, actually it, it gets answered, are you telling people about it? Not just for you, not even just for God, although it's for his glory, but ultimately too, you could encourage so many people in their struggles, in their journey. Are you sharing your victory stories and are you getting around other people who are the victory story kind of people? Are you asking just questions about people's struggles or are you asking people questions about their victories? This is the hope that we have that we can anchor to, but we have to tether to it. I'll share a victory story um, that I had. So eight days ago, uh, my wife Becky and I came back from a trip to Spain to see my dad. My dad lives overseas. And um, it was an amazing trip. We're in this island called Mallorca off like the southeast coast of Spain. I mean, it's gorgeous. We're in the Mediterranean for crying out loud, you know. And my dad paid for my flight over. I mean, it, you like couldn't be better, right? I mean, this is just hand delivered to me. It's the most amazing thing. People said, how was your trip? How was your trip? How was your trip? I said, that was awesome. It was, it was so great, you know. And I mean, we hiked and we saw all this cool stuff and it's just great. I love traveling. Okay. So, so that was awesome. But here's what was so amazing about the trip. And some of you know that my dad and I, we have a long history together. And um, so this was really the final chapter. It was the culminating chapter of a 15 year journey for me of forgiveness and reconciliation with my dad. And if you've been coming to Grace for a long time, you've, you've heard me talk about this numerous times. This trip was the first time that I'd ever, like my dad and even my, um, my dad's wife have come to see me, but that's like on my turf. Yeah, I get to call the shots. You know what I'm saying? It's so, totally different than going to somebody else's turf. But my wife and I were guests over, over at my dad's place. And... Um, let me just tell you, the, the thing that made it really hard, if we're just going to be totally real, is that my dad's wife was the woman who broke up my parents' marriage. Okay, so, that, so right there, if you want to post your child for like your family not being together, th- there she is, okay? And I'm trying to work through what Jesus has to say about that. And it's been 15 years. And I just want to let you guys know that... I had victory that, I mean, it it wasn't perfect, (laughs) okay? So don't think it was perfect, but I really put, I I got a lot of peace. I had a lot of peace in that trip. And one of the things that I almost felt like God was was saying, I don't know, I don't want to get all mystical and whatever, like, was it God or was it, you know, what? I don't know, okay? But I almost sensed that God was saying something like, you know, what is the statute of limitations on a sin? I mean, how long? How long are you going to hold that over somebody? 15 years is good enough? And so um, it was an amazing trip and trying to love and accept um, someone, you know, like that, it's just, it was really tough. But I have to tell you that through Jesus Christ, not just what Jesus teaches us, but actually I believe when we put our faith in him, He says he brings his spirit to live in us, to enable us to do things we cannot do on our own. That, that Jesus' spirit in me enabled me to have this victory. And really now I was like, okay, now, I mean, that's for me the biggest challenge that I could take. And that is why my trip last week 
was awesome because I experienced victory through Jesus Christ. And feel free to clap because I want to clap, okay? So, how are you sharing? Amen, amen. How are you sharing your victory stories? How are you tethering to your anchor the hope that we have in Jesus? Because here's the thing, you guys. There will be storms. Or as Jesus says, you will have trouble. You will have suffering. You will face injustice. Jesus basically guarantees it. You will have your Shawshank prison moments. But there is hope. There is something that fueled Andy that can fuel us. But we have to stay reminded of it. We have to stay focused on the fact that we have hope and that we have victory in Jesus. And we tether to that. We cannot be shaken. We cannot be moved. And ultimately, we will experience victory. Now, we're going to conclude the service this morning by celebrating communion. So music team's going to come up. Communion team's going to go ahead and grab the communion elements. And I just want to let you know, okay, try to remember not to take communion with the popcorn, okay? We're going to, we're going to uh, use those communion wafers. But here's the thing about communion that you might not have ever thought about before, okay? A lot of times, communion can seem like this somber thing, because it's Jesus and his suffering on the cross and he died for our sins and, you know, and that's the payment that you know, brings us into a relationship with our heavenly father. All right? And all that stuff is true. But ultimately, what I want us to remember is that when we take communion, we are not only celebrating the suffering that Jesus went through and his death on the cross, but we are celebrating what happened three days later that Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered death, and he achieved the victory. And that is why we have hope. Without the resurrection, without the third day, we got nothing, you guys. Nothing. Nothing. So we are going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate. The team has a great song of victory about the blood of the lamb. That's, that's a reference to Jesus Christ. Okay? And so what I want, to, I want everyone to do this for me, okay? Because we need hope, don't we? we? We need stories of victory. We are going to make this a sacred time right now, okay? I just want everyone, I know you're busy. I know you've got a million things on your to-do list and you're like, okay, I gotta charge out of here and do da-da-da-da-da. I get it, I'm type A, okay? I understand, okay? Just, would you just protect this for just a couple minutes? Would you just, as you feel led, team's gonna start here in just a second. Come down, take communion, come back to your seat. Either sing the song out or just close your eyes, sit down, pray, whatever. Let, let this be a song for you where we could be reminded of the hope that we have and the victory that we have in Jesus. Let me pray for us, then we're gonna take communion. Uh, God, we just wanna say thank you so much for the hope and the victory that we have despite the storms, the Shawshank moments, God, that you're here for us. And um, Lord, we just celebrate now as we take this bread and we drink this cup as a symbol of your body and blood shed for us. Lord, that ultimately you have prevailed and we will too. 
And we thank you so much for that. I especially pray for those right now who are suffering, who are feeling injustice or have loved ones who do. And I pray you'd comfort them, you'd remind them you're with them and that you would remind them of the hope of your ultimate victory that they have in you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.